Good morning. This is November 1st, 2021. And I'm reading out of Jesus Calling. It says, Do not be discouraged by the difficulty of keeping your focus on me. I know that your heart's desire is to be aware of my presence continually. This is a lofty goal. You aim toward it but never fully achieve it in this life. Don't let feelings of failure weigh you down. Instead, try to see yourself as I see you. First of all, I am delighted by your deep desire to walk closely with me through your life. I am pleased each time you initiate communication with me. In addition, I notice the progress you have made since you first resolved to live in my presence. When you realize that your mind has wandered away from me, don't be alarmed or surprised. You live in a world that has been rigged to distract you. Each time you plow your way through the massive distractions to communicate with me, you achieve a victory. Rejoice in these tiny triumphs and they will increasingly light up your days. Scripture reference is Romans 8. Verse 33 through 34 and Hebrews 4, verse 14 through 16. Let's do that. All right, Romans 8, 33 through 34 says, Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. The notes that it has for 33 and 34 is for God's elect. It says, it is God who justifies. Who can successfully accuse someone whom God has declared righteous? And for 34, it talks about condemns to declare guilty and sentenced to punishment. There are four reasons the believer can never be found guilty. Number one is because of Christ's death. Number two, his resurrection. Number three, his exalted position. And number four, his continual intercession for them. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let me read the rest of that. Um, Verse 35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are slaughtered. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That was until all the way to verse 38. Thank you, Lord. Let me see what 35 through 39 says. This list of experiences and persons that can't separate the believer from God's love in Christ was not 
just theory to Paul. It was rather personal testimony from one who had personally survived assaults from these entities in emerged triumph. Not our love for Christ, but the love for us. Specifically here, as he demonstrated it in salvation from 1 John 4, 9 and 10. Tribulation. It says here the word probably refers to the kind of adversary common to all men. Distress. This refers to being strictly confined in a narrow, difficult place or being helplessly hemmed in by one's circumstances. Persecution. Suffering inflicted on us by men because of our relationship with Christ. Um, 36 says, this is the quotation from the LXX of Psalm 4422. All right, 837 says, more than conquerors, a compound Greek word which means to over conquer, to conquer completely without any real threat to personal life or health. Principalities are fallen angels or devil or demons. Um, powers are the plural form of the common word for power is used to refer to either miracles or to persons in position of authority. Nor height or depth, common astronomical terms used to refer to the height and low points of the star's path. Nothing in life's path from beginning to end can separate us from Christ's love. Possibly, Paul may intend to describe all of space from top to bottom, nor any other created thing, in case anything or anyone might be left out. This covers everything but the Creator Himself, the love of God. Amen. Good word, good word. Let's go to Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Okay, let's see. All right, here we go. All right. 14 says, Our compassionate high priest, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, verse 16, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hallelujah. Let's see. Let's see what that says. Let's read that. This says, verse 14, Hebrews 4, 14, it says, Pass through heavens, just as the high priest under the old covenant passed through Three areas, the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. To make the atoning sacrifice, Jesus passed through three heavens. The atmospheric heaven, the stellar heaven, and God's abode. After making a perfect final sacrifice, once a year, once a year on the day of atonement, the high priest, of Israel would enter the Holy of Holies to make atonement for the sins of the people. That tabernacle was was but a limited copy of the heavenly reality. When Jesus entered into the heavenly Holy of Holies, having accomplished redemption early, the earthly facsimile was 
replaced by the reality of heaven itself. Free from that which is earthly, the, the Christian faith is characterized by the heavenly. Jesus, Son of God. The use of both the term of humanity, Jesus, and of deity, which is Son of God, is significant. One of the few cases of such a juxtaposition is in 1 John 1, 7, where his sacrifice for sins is emphasized. Okay, all points tempted, verse 15, the note says the writer here as to his statement in 2.18 that Jesus was sinless, he was able to be tempted, uh, but not able to sin. 4.16, come boldly to the throne of grace, most ancient rulers were unapproach unapproachable by anyone but their highest advisors. In contrast, the Holy Spirit calls for all to come confidently before God's throne and receive mercy and grace through Christ, through Jesus Christ. Um, it's the introduction. Uh, historical and theological, theo theological themes. The Ark of the Covenant was viewed as the place of earth where God sat enthroned between the cherubim. Oriental thrones included a footstool, yet another metaphor was metaphor for the ark. It was at the throne of God that Christ made atonement for sins, and it is there that grace is dispensed to believers for all the issues of life. Grace to you became a standard greeting among believers who celebrated this provision. Amen. To help in time of need, it says, see notes on chapter 2, verse 16 and 18. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for this lesson. And I'm going to read that part again. Do not be discouraged by the difficulty of keeping your focus on me. I know that your heart... Um, desire is to be aware of my presence continually. This is a lofty game. You aim toward it, but never fully achieve it in this life. Don't let feelings of failure weigh you down. Instead, try to see yourself as I see you. First of all, I am delighted by your deep desire to walk closely with me through, my, through your life. I am pleased each time you initiate communication with me. In addition, I notice the progress you have made since you first Resolve to live in my presence. When you realize that your mind has wandered away from me, don't be alarmed or surprised. You live in a world that has been rigged to distract you. Each time you plow your way through the massive distractions to communicate with me, you achieve a victory. Rejoice in these tiny triumphs and they will increasingly light up your days. Remember I read Romans 8, 33, 34 and I finished it to the end. Of that chapter and I read Hebrews 4 14 through 16 oh my god this was a very blessed word today hallelujah thank you Lord be blessed